Section 31 of The San Francisco Calamity by Earthquake and Fire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hawaii in June 2010. The San Francisco Calamity by Earthquake and Fire by Charles Morris. Chapter 30 submarine volcanoes and their work of island building in november eighteen sixty seven a volcano suddenly began to show signs of activity beneath the deep sea of the pacific ocean there are some islands nearly two thousand miles to the east of australia called the navigators group in which there had been no history of an eruption nor had such an event been handed down by tradition most of the islands in the pacific ocean are old volcanoes or are made up of rocks cast forth from extinct burning mountains they rise up like peaks through the great depths of the ocean and the top which just appears above the sea level is generally encircled by a growth of coral hence they are termed coral islands these islands every now and then rise higher than the sea level owing to some deep upheaving force and then the coral is lifted up above the water and become a solid rock. But occasionally the reverse of this takes place, and the islands begin to sink into the sea, owing to a force which causes the base of the submarine mountain to become depressed. Sometimes they disappear. All this shows that some great disturbing forces are in action at the bottom of the sea, and just within the earth's crust, and that they are of a volcanic nature. For some time before the eruption in question, earthquakes shook the surrounding islands of the navigators group and caused great alarm, and when the trembling of the earth was very great, the sea began to be agitated near one of the islands, and vast circles of disturbed water were formed. Soon the water began to be forced upwards, and dead fish were seen floating about. After a while, steam rushed forth, and jets of mud and volcanic sand moreover when the steam began to rush up out of the water the violence of the general agitation of the land and of the surface of the sea increased an eruption described when the eruption was at its height vast columns of mud and masses of stone rushed into the air to a height of two thousand feet and the fearful crash of masses of rock hurled upwards and coming in collision with others which were falling attested the great volume of ejected matter which accumulated in the bed of the ocean although no trace of a volcano could be seen above the surface of the sea similar submarine volcanic action has been observed in the atlantic ocean and crews of ships have reported that they have seen in different places sulphurous smoke flame jets of water and steam rising up from the sea or they have observed the waters greatly discolored and in a state of violent agitation as if boiling in large circles new shoals have also been encountered or a reef of rocks just emerging above the surface where previously there was always supposed to have been deep water on some few occasions the gradual building up of an island by submarine volcanoes has been observed as that of sabrina in 1181 of st michael's in the azores the throwing up of ashes in this case and the formation of a conical hill three hundred feet height with a crater out of which spouted lava and steam took place very rapidly 
but the waves had the best of it and finally washed sabrina into the depths of the ocean previous eruptions in the same part of the sea were recorded as having happened in sixteen ninety one and seventeen twenty in eighteen thirty one a submarine volcanic eruption occurred in the mediterranean sea between sicily and that part of the african coast where carthage formerly stood a few years before captain smythe had sounded the spot in a survey of the sea ordered by government and he found the sea bottom to be under five hundred feet of water on june twenty eighth about a fortnight before the eruption was visible sir pulteney malcolm in passing over the spot in his ship felt the shock of an earthquake as if he had struck on a sandbank and the same shocks were felt on the west coast of sicily in a direction from southwest to northeast building up of an island by submarine volcanoes about july ten the captain of a sicilian vessel reported that as he passed near the place he saw a column of water like a water spout sixty feet high and eight hundred yards in circumference rising from the sea and soon after a dense rush of steam in its place which ascended to the height of eighteen hundred feet the same captain on his return eighteen days after found a small island twelve feet high with a crater in its centre throwing forth volcanic matter and immense columns of vapour the sea around being covered with floating cinders and dead fish the eruption continued with great violence to the end of the same month by the end of the month the island grew to ninety feet in height and measured three-quarters of a mile round by august fourth it became two hundred feet high and three miles in circumference after which it began to diminish in size by the action of the waves towards the end of october the island was levelled nearly to the surface of the sea naval officers and foreign ministers alike took an absorbing interest in this new island the strong national thirst for territory manifested itself and eager mariners waited only till the new land should be cool enough to set foot on to strive who should be first to plant there his country's flag names in abundance were given it by successive observers nerita scaccia fernandina julia hotham corrao and graham the last holds good in english speech and as graham's island it is known in books to-day though the sea took back what it had given leaving but a shoal of cinders and sand the bay of santorin in the island of that name which lies immediately to the north of crete has long been noted for its submarine volcanoes according to one account indeed the whole island was at a remote period raised from the bottom of the sea but this is questionable it is with more reason supposed that the bay is the site of an ancient crater which was situated on the summit of a volcanic cone that subsequently fell in certain it is that islands have from time to time been thrown up by volcanic forces from the bottom of the sea within this bay and that some of them have remained while others have sunk again how an island grew of the existing islands some were thrown up shortly before the beginning of the christian era in particular one called the great kameni which however received a considerable accession to its size by a fresh eruption in anno domini seven hundred twenty six 
The islet nearest Santorin was raised in 1573 and was named the Little Kameni, and in 1707 there was added, between the other two, a third, which is now called the Black Island. This made its appearance above water on the 23rd of May, 1707, and was first mistaken for a wreck, but some sailors who landed on it found it to be a mass of rock, consisting of a very white, soft stone, to which were adhering quantities of fresh oysters. While they were collecting these, a violent shaking of the ground scared them away. During several weeks the island gradually increased in volume, but in July, at a distance of about sixty paces from the new islet, there was thrown up a chain of black calcined rocks, followed by volumes of thick black smoke, having a sulphurous smell. A few days thereafter, the water all around the spot became hot, and many dead fishes were thrown up. Then, with loud subterraneous noises, flames arose, and fresh quantities of stones and other substances were ejected, until the chain of black rocks became united to the first islet that had appeared. This eruption continued for a long time, there being thrown out quantities of ashes and pumice, which covered the island of Santorin and the surface of the sea, some being drifted to the coasts of Asia Minor and the Dardanelles. The activity of this miniature volcano was prolonged, with greater or less energy, for about ten years. In 1866, similar phenomena took place in the Bay of Santorin, beginning with underground sounds and slight shocks of earthquake, which were followed by the appearance of flames on the surface of the sea. Soon after, there arose, out of a dense smoke, a small islet, which gradually increased until in a week's time it was sixty feet high, two hundred long, and ninety wide. The people of Santorin named it George, in honor of the king of Greece. In another week it joined and became continuous with the little Kameni. The detonations increased in loudness, and large quantities of incandescent stones were thrown up from the crater. About the same time, at the distance of nearly 150 feet from the coast, to the westward of a point called Cape Flego, there rose from the sea another island, to which was given the name of Afroessa. It sank and reappeared several times before it established itself above water. The detonations and ejection of incandescent lava and stones continued at intervals during three weeks. From the crater of the island George, which attained a height of 150 feet, some stones, several cubic yards in bulk, were projected to a great distance. One of them, falling on board of a merchant vessel, killed the captain and set fire to the ship. By the 10th of March the eruptions had partially subsided, but were then renewed, and the third island, which was named Reka, rose alongside of Afroessa. They were at first separated by a channel sixty feet deep, but in three days this was filled up and the two islets became united. Reference may properly be made here to Monte Nuevo and Yorullo, not that they appertain to the present subject, but that they form examples of the action of similar forces, in the one instance exerted on a lake bottom, in the other on dry land, each yielding permanent volcanic elevations in every respect analogous to those which rise as islands from the bottom of the sea. In the Icelandic Seas 
Off the coast of Iceland, islands have appeared during several of the volcanic eruptions which that remote dependency of Denmark has manifested, and at various periods in Iceland's history, the sea has been covered with pumice and other debris, which tell their own tale of what has been going on, without being in sufficient quantity to reach the surface in the form of an island mass. The sea of Reykjanes, Smoky Cape, as the name means, has been a frequent scene of these submarine eruptions. In 1240, during what the Icelandic historians describe as the Eighth Outburst, a number of islets were formed, though most of them subsequently disappeared, only to have their places occupied by others born at a later date. In 1422, high rocks of considerable circumference appeared. In 1783, about a month before the eruption of Skapta-Jokull, a volcanic island named Nyö, from which fire and smoke issued, was built up. But in time it vanished under the waves, all that remains of it today being a reef from 5 to 35 fathoms below the sea level. In 1830, after several long-continued eruptions of the usual character, another isle arose, while at the same time the skerries known as the Gaiofuglaska disappeared, and with them vanished the great auks or gearfowls, birds now extinct, which up to that time had bred on them. At all events, though the auks could not well have been drowned, no traces of them were seen after the date mentioned. In July 1884, an island again appeared about ten miles off Reykjanes, but it is already beginning to diminish in size and may soon disappear. Off the coast of Alaska Elsewhere in the region of the northern seas, there are other instances of the influence of the submarine forces in raising up and lowering land. The coast of Alaska is a region of intense volcanic action. In 1795, during a period of volcanic activity in the craters of Makushina, on Unalaska and in others on Umnak Island, a volume of smoke was seen to rise out of the sea about 42 miles to the north of Unalaska, and the next year it was followed by a heap of cindery material from which arose flame and volcanic matter, the glow being visible over a radius of 10 miles. In four years the island grew into a large cone, 3,000 feet above the sea level, and two or three miles in circumference. Two years later, it was still so hot that when some hunters landed on it, they found the soil too warm for walking. It was named Yonna Bogoslova, St. John the Theologian, by the Russians, Agashagok by the Aleuts, and is now known to the whites of that region as Bogoslov. Mr. Dahl believes that it occupies the site of some rocks that existed there as long as tradition extends. There were additions to the cone up to the year 1823, when it became so quiescent as to be the favorite haunt of seals and sea-fowls, and, when the weather was favorable, was visited by native egg-hunters from Unalaska. During the summer of 1883, Borosloff was again seen in eruption, as it was thought. However, on closely examining the neighborhood, it was found that the old island was undisturbed, but that there had been a fresh eruption, which had resulted in the extension of Bogoslov by the appearance of a cone and crater, Hague Volcano, 
357 feet high, connected with the parent island by a low sand spit, and situated in a spot where, the year before, the lead showed 800 fathoms of water. At the same time, Augustine and two other previously quiet islands on the peninsula of Alaska began simultaneously to emit smoke, dust and ashes, while a reef running westward and formerly submerged became elevated to the sea surface. Other islands, of origin exactly similar to Bogoslov and those mentioned, are to be found in this region, notably Konyugi and Kasatochi in the western Aleutians, and Pinnacle Island, near St. Matthew Island. Indeed, the volcano of Klyuchevsk, which rises to a height of over 15,000 feet, is really a volcanic island. A permanent addition was made to the Aleutian group of islands by the action of a submarine volcano in 1806. This new island has the form of a volcanic peak, with several subsidiary cones, it is four geographical miles in circumference. In 1814, another arose out of the sea in the same archipelago, the cone of which attained a height of 3,000 feet, but at the end of a year it lost a portion of this elevation. In 1856, in the sea in the same neighborhood, Captain Newell of the whaling bark Alice Fraser witnessed the submarine eruption, which was also seen by the crews of several other vessels. There was no island formed on this occasion, but large jets of water were thrown up, and the sea was greatly agitated all around. Then followed volcanic smoke and quantities of stones, ashes, and pumice, the two latter being scattered over the surface of the sea to a great distance. Loud thundering reports accompanied this eruption, and all the ships in the neighborhood felt concussions like those produced by an earthquake. These phenomena seem to have ended in the formation of some great submarine chasm into which the waters rushed with extreme violence and a terrific roar. Occurrences similar to this last have been several times observed in a tract of open sea in the Atlantic, about half a degree south of the equator, and between 20 and 22 degrees of west longitude. Although quantities of volcanic dross have been from time to time thrown up to the surface in this region, no island has yet made its appearance above water. The events here described repeat on a far smaller scale similar ones which have occurred in remote ages in many parts of the ocean and left great island masses as the permanent effects of their work. We may instance the Hawaiian group, which is wholly of volcanic origin, with the exception of its minor coral additions, and represent a stupendous activity of underground agencies beneath the domain of Father Neptune. In part, as we have said elsewhere in this work, all oceanic islands, remote from those in the shoal bordering waters of the continents, have been of volcanic or coral formation, or more often a combination of the two. No sooner does an island mass appear above or near the surface of tropical waters than the minute coral animals, effective only by their myriads, begin their labors, building fringes of coral rock around the cindery heaps lifted from the ocean floor. The atolls of the Pacific, circular or oval rings of coral with lagoons of seawater within, have long been thought to be built on the rims of submarine volcanoes, 
rising to within a few hundred feet of the surface, much as coral reefs around actual islands. If the volcanic mass should subsequently subside, as it is likely to do, the minute ocean builders will continue their work, until the subsidence be too rapid for their powers of production, and in this way ring-like islands of coral may in time rise from great depths of sea, their basis being the volcanic island which has sunk from near the surface far toward old ocean's primal floor. End of section 31